From Bumble Australia and Shameless Media, this is Love Etc. When my love takes me home, it's one of five in a 30 mile zone. Foot like lead, nerves like steel, wild ride when it's taking the Happy Valentine's Day, whether you're surrounded by a sea of red roses and novelty chocolates or you're feeling lonely and a little bit shit, in this episode, the first of season two, we're going to discuss it all. Welcome to Love Etc., where your hosts, Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hello, you're listening to Love Etc., a podcast by Bumble Australia, the social networking app where women make the first move. Today, firstly, welcome back. We are talking about Valentine's Day. On a day like today, the only kinds of stories we hear tend to be love stories or friendship stories. But what about the other kinds of stories? You know, what about a woman deep into her 20s who has never felt love and never had sex? But before we get there, we thought we'd turn to you guys, the beehive. How do you feel about Valentine's Day? I think Valentine's Day is kind of overrated. I think if you're in love with the person, like every day should kind of just be like Valentine's Day, in my opinion. I think it's just a bit too corny for my liking. I guess it depends on whether or not I'm seeing someone. If I'm seeing someone, I'm all for Valentine's Day. I love it. But if I'm single, it kind of makes me sad. It kind of just makes me wish that I had someone to celebrate Valentine's Day with. I don't know. It's kind of a non-event for me. It's even when I've been in relationships, haven't really done anything. But my ex was kind of a asshole, so that might be why. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I think it's a good excuse to um, celebrate the ones that you love. I'm not too strict about it, so if you know. But I think it's a good excuse. It's a bit of a non-event for single people, or it's like a confirmation that of your single status. <laughs> It's kind of cringy, but also kind of cute. It's kind of cute to like feel like loved. I think it's like a really nice way to celebrate the people that you love, and I don't think you necessarily have to be in a relationship to appreciate it. You can celebrate it with your friends. Like it's always a fun night when you go out with your girlfriends. If you're single, like it doesn't have to be necessarily boyfriend girlfriend in a relationship kind Valentine's of thing. Day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mish, we heard about what the Beehive think of Valentine's Day. What do you think about Valentine's Day? I'm so glad you asked. I don't know why, but my gut reaction to Valentine's Day is a bit of an eye roll. But then when I think about it quite deeply, what's wrong with a day that celebrates and recognises romantic love? Well, it's really interesting. When we decided to produce the second series of Love Etc., we thought the first one has to be Valentine's Day because it's the the day that focuses on love and sex and everything around that. And when I thought about our conversation about Valentine's Day, I made this sort of knee-jerk assumption that it would be an eye-roll conversation about how Valentine's Day is bullshit because I think it's like the very popular line of thought to take. I Mm -hmm. think it's like the easy public opinion to have. But I'm kind of like you. The more I actually sat down and started prepping for this episode and tried to work out what I I thought about Valentine's Day, it didn't really line up with that eye roll Valentine's Day is bullshit kind of narrative. Yeah, I agree with that. Can I please give everyone a brief history lesson as to what this day is? (laughs) I feel like you're going to anyway. I promise it'll be very short and snappy because history is not my forte. Valentine's Day is also called Saint Valentine's Day or Feast of Saint Valentine. It is recognised as a significant cultural, religious and commercial celebration of romance and romantic love in many regions of the world. And Zara, guess when it all began? 
like lots of years ago. The 14th century. I did read that a little bit in my digging. Well, actually, I think it began before then, but 14th century was when it began to be tied to love. Because originally it was just like acknowledging a saint, but then they began to <laughs> talk about love all the time. Well, what I found interesting, I'm, I am curious that you decided to do the history lesson because I started digging and I was like, this makes no sense to me because there are like a million different stories about where it originated from and whole, all got confusing. A whole bunch of historians probably just spat out their morning tea at that very inaccurate historical <laughs> lesson. Because a whole bunch of historians are listening to a love and relationships <laughs> podcast on their Friday morning. No judgment. Do you celebrate Valentine's Day? I mean, I think so. It kind of depends what you classify as celebrating. I remember the very first Valentine's Day with my boyfriend, Mitch. He gave me a handful of kind of half-melted love heart chocolates. I think his mum might have bought them or something, or he just like <laughs> reached into some like lolly department at the supermarket. But they were fine. They were just like red roses. We don't do anything big. He might bring home a rose or we might go to dinner. But this year we're doing nothing. We're like moving our apartments. We'll just be like packing boxes and stuff and probably drinking a glass of wine at home. Do you celebrate Valentine's Day? You're in a slightly new relationship. Yes. Well, now that we're doing season two of, of this podcast, I am in a relationship, which is different. Congratulations. <laughs> I am now worthy of something. <laughs> no, that is clearly a joke. Do I celebrate Valentine's Day? I don't go out of my way to if I'm free then I probably will go out for dinner. But then I go out for dinner on every other Friday night anyway. So I'm not sure what the difference is. What are you doing tonight? Tonight I will go out for dinner, but I went out for dinner last Friday night with my boyfriend as well. The most annoying thing about Valentine's Day dinner is that you need to book it about two weeks in advance. Well, exactly. You can't really be spontaneous about it at all. I, I've i been thinking a lot about what it is regarding Valentine's Day and why some people love it and why some people hate it. And I'm starting to think that there might be a common thread between why people choose to celebrate Valentine's Day and why people also get married. And I know that might sound like an initial stretch, but I think people like excuses to take stock and to check in and to do nice things. It's kind of why I like birthdays. I love Mm. birthdays, not because I love attention. I sometimes like cry when I get in tension and like there's I get embarrassed you get very red you get your stress rash I get very very red but I like (laughs) birthdays and I like I things like weddings because I think we so get caught up in the rat race of work and weekends and socializing and stuff like this actually gives us an excuse to look inwards and center ourselves and stop and I know it's way more layered than that because it's incredibly commercialized and there are a bunch of other stuff going on but first and foremost I think that's why there is a group of people that like it I love that you got so preemptively defined fences then because you saw me cock my head to one side as if to be like oh you naive little pet but I know nothing is all good or all bad (laughs) I just think initially some people want to celebrate it for as pure as it seems to be I agree with that I think it can definitely be pure I think it's not entirely pure it's a huge commercial machine Valentine's Day I did some research on this in the US alone adds 27.4 billion with a b dollars to the economy that's according to the National Retail Federation. That's almost $7 billion more than last year. Last year, consumers spent $20.7 billion on chocolates and dinners and all that kind of stuff. That really surprised me. And then the stat that surprised me even more than that, Zara McDonald, which I want to get your thoughts on, is that of people who do celebrate Valentine's Day, so this isn't an average across any human, it's just the ones who do opt into Valentine's Day, the average person spends $196 on celebrating the day, the majority of that going towards 
dinner and food and drinks. It seems like a lot of money. Doesn't that seem ludicrous? But then when you add it up, if you are going to dinner with your partner, say you might get a bottle of wine when you don't typically do that. So you are getting a little present for each other or buying you lingerie. I don't know what people do for Valentine's <laughs> Day. partners actually do that for? Lingerie is very expensive. Yeah, but as if you want somebody else to pick it out for you. I don't know. I'm not going to tell people what to do with their lives. But then once you add it all up, the $196 kind of makes sense. I still don't think it does because I think it might make sense for a couple to spend $196, but if you're spending nearly $200 per person, that is $400 a couple, assuming that you're only in a two-person relationship. We will get to that later in the season, Zara McDonald. <laughs> I do think that maybe this figure is put out and newspapers run this stat from the National Retail Federation because it kind of normalises spending a fuckload of money. Like if you're spending $100, $196 or you see that as the average, you'll go, oh, well, let's really splurge on dinner. That's what the normal person does. Well, it's like when we used to work in women's media and we used to deep dive weddings a lot and we used to look at all these surveys that used to say the average amount that people spent on weddings and that number was always incredibly inflated because mm-hmm. it encouraged people to spend more. These surveys are often being done by bridal companies that want you to spend. So that's an interesting point. I am just really intrigued by general and almost universal public disdain for what people dub the Hallmark holiday. Like, it's like the only popular public opinion you can have, like I said at the start, is to say, I don't really like Valentine's Day. What if you're Valentine's Day neutral like I am? But there are so <laughs> Adjacent. <laughs> Valentine's Day adjacent. But there are so many accusations of commercialization being thrown from every angle with regards to Valentine's Day. And it's fair, you just read the stats, but Easter is commercialized, so is Christmas. And aren't they meant to be religious holidays? I find mm. it interesting that people will then maybe come back and say, well, Valentine's Day is so much more exclusive. What if you're single? Well, it's like, well, what if you're not Christian? I also think it's interesting the comparison between Mother's Day and Father's Day. We're so willing and ready to celebrate other relationships we have, but when it comes to love, it's suddenly embarrassing or a bit cringe to to publicly say, I want to use that day to celebrate my relationship. I think that adjective is so bang on. There's a bit of an eye roll. It's a bit cringeworthy, a bit soppy and silly to be celebrating Valentine's Day without kind of poking fun at yourself like if you're seriously celebrating valentine's day people will sneer at you a little bit well that is it isn't it and there is a tiny bit of snobbery to it too i think that criticism of valentine's day is layered for sure i think like a huge part of the criticism like the very worthy criticism comes from how exclusive it can be and how alienating it can be if you are single on valentine's day which i was last year but the other element of the criticism centers on this idea i feel that that we should be better than it that if we have worthy relationships we shouldn't need valentine's day to recognize that. I agree with that. I think there's definitely some disdain for Valentine's Day and I don't begrudge anyone for that. I found a really interesting article from columnist Clem Basto in the Sydney Morning Herald. I'm not sure if you've read this before, Zara, but Clem really doesn't like Valentine's Day. And one quote that stood out to me was, we measure our own love stories against those of others using the spectacle of romance to gauge whose connection is really, truly true love, who has made the most sincere and public declarations, who has come up with the most personal and thoughtful gesture of love, which couple has the wittiest hashtag. Do you agree with that? It's interesting. I did read this story. It was from 2017, wasn't it? Um, Do I agree with it? Not entirely, but perhaps not for the reason that you think. Because the line that stood out to me in this Clem piece was, 
um, one that said, this is a true nightmare of late capitalism, love as a public competitive sport. And I'm not sure if this is a symptom of Valentine's Day so much as it is of social media and Instagram. Like the only reason we have means of comparing our love in 2020 is because of social media, not Valentine's Day. Like how did Valentine's Day manifest when we didn't have social media? Like were you actually comparing your relationship because how was any of it visible? That's Mm. what's confusing to me. Yeah, absolutely. I think Instagram stories and Snapchat has a lot to answer for because it's such a real time update with what you're doing on that day. I think many of us and myself included, like I've been on both sides of the fence with this as well. I was single for a very long time. I'm now in a long-term relationship. I remember when I was single and I'd flick through Snapchat, it would kind of be like, oh, I get it. He got you a big fluffy teddy bear or I get it. You're out at dinner. But now that I'm in a relationship, I probably would upload that as well because it's just a nice thing to do. And it's a nice thing to acknowledge that your partner's thought of you and done something special. This is what I find interesting. Why why is posting it the nice thing rather than receiving it or sharing that moment? Well, of course, it's not. The nicest thing is to receive it. I'm not saying that it doesn't exist unless it exists on Instagram, but I just think sometimes acknowledging that your partner has thought of you and kind of giving them a shout out for doing that, there's nothing that's automatically wrong with that, is there? I don't think there's anything wrong with posting about Valentine's Day on Instagram. I just find it curious that we all tend to so Mm. much that we all get caught up with it. I think it can be a nice excuse to shout about your love if that's what you like doing. But I think it would also be interesting to note how many people are uploading, you know, the presents their partner might have bought or something like that because they feel they need to, that their love and their relationship is worth less if people don't know about it. Like if you're on Instagram and you're scrolling every other partner posting something nice for Valentine's Day, do a lot of people think, well, fuck, everybody's going to think I'm not doing anything or my relationship is not worth anything unless I join this rat race. Yeah, probably. There's probably a whole bunch of pressure on guys, especially to get their female partners. If you're in a heterosexual relationship, the man is almost expected to get his partner something. Whereas it's not that weight or that expectation on the woman. I would bet that my male partner has gotten me far more gifts for Valentine's Day. And they're not massive gifts, like I said before, just chocolate or roses or whatever. I hardly ever get him anything for Valentine's Day. What do you even get a guy for Valentine's Day? Well, I do feel like Valentine's Day and like the commercialization of Valentine's Day does target hetero relationships more than anyone else because I think it plays into those like very old school dating ideals where the man does have the responsibility to do that. It's kind of easier to target that guy who feels like he needs to do this based on age old dating principles for Valentine's Day. Like it's easy to make money off him. Like it's the gentlemanly chivalrous thing to do to get your lady partner a nice necklace or a bouquet of roses. Yeah, I'm doing a bit of a 180 because now it's a bit of a fucked up premise. (laughs) Valentine's Day thrives off leveraging traditional gender roles and an old school perception of like chivalry. Well, did you organise a present? Well, I'm going to on my way home now. <laughs> I might just end up getting a packet of lollies. Packet of lollies are fine. Yeah, just get them something they enjoy. What's, I the, don't best, know. what's the best kind of packet of lollies? Maybe get like a nice block of chocolate from Coles or Woolies. <laughs> that is a nice thing to do. I'm just thinking about my single days and I'm wondering if performative love ever really annoyed you. Um, it, it used to a little bit. I think only because sometimes with the relationships that you're privy to or that you, I don't know, when you have friends or acquaintances where you know the ins and outs of their relationship and you know that it's not super happy but on Valentine's Day it looks like this glorious sunlit filled romance then yeah that's a little bit of an eye roll. Yeah that's an interesting one. I feel like last year when I was single on Valentine's Day 
I think that all love kind of annoyed me when I was really sad, not just performative love. And I actually think I had more of an aversion to quiet, genuine love than performative love that I didn't necessarily see as real as other kinds. Interesting. I do have one final gripe with Valentine's Day that I want to air. I don't know where we've sat on this, by the way. We've had like the most inconsistent <laughs> opinions through this entire thing. I am I am pro Valentine's Day, but I do think it can be a little bit of a wank fest sometimes if you're not like kind of poking fun at it or being a little bit self-deprecating. I do have one final gripe. Like I just said, I want to talk about Valentine's Day, the movie, as the worst movie to come out in the last decade. That's actually not one of your worst calls, I have to say. I loved the film New Year's Eve. Do you remember that? Yes, Because it's film. all the same kind of theme as like Love Actually yep. and huge cast members, big names, cool storylines. It fucking sucked. They tried to recreate Love Actually. You're absolutely right. It, for anyone who hasn't seen it, Taylor Swift, Taylor Lautner, Jessica Biel, Jessica Alba, Bradley Cooper. This was like a star-studded cast. They spent $50 million making that film. And Jesus Christ, it will make you hate Valentine's Day more than any other piece of content in the universe. Coming up on the show, what it's like to be a virgin deep into your 20s. But first, it's time for a Bumble break. You're probably familiar with the name Bumble, but did you know the story behind how the feminist dating app came to life? Bumble is the brainchild of Whitney Wolf Heard, the brand's creator and CEO. Whitney had been working for another dating app after she left college and realised there was something missing, an app that empowered women to make the first move in their love life. And so Bumble was born in 2014 on the simple and powerful premise that only women can begin the conversation. No more unsolicited seedy messages from guys. It is up to you to make the first move. Almost six years later and Bumble has over 80 million registered users across the world and has extended beyond just your love life to your professional network and platonic friendships too with Bumble Biz and Bumble BFF. Whitney is now 30 and running Bumble with her newborn son, Bobby, in her arm. Pretty incredible, right? And I love this quote of her, Zara, about the app. Whitney says, I think that early on, a lot of people thought women making the first move was a gimmick and that we were just some cute, girly dating app. But we're serious about putting women in the driver's seat and chipping away at societal expectations. Download Bumble today and make the first move. One app, three modes, one mission. For the second half of this episode, we wanted to introduce you to Charlotte. Charlotte is 25, describes herself as that classic single friend, has kissed a boy before, but spent the last few years wondering why it's never gone further than that. So how does someone in her position feel about a day like Valentine's Day? Valentine's Day is probably like a weird day. The expectation and the hype leading up to it when everyone's just like, what are you doing? What's my, what are we doing with my partner? But then the day of, it's normally fine, I guess. Um, usually I end up doing something with friends. It's when I'm not doing something with friends, if they're all got boyfriends that they're like, oh, we're doing dinner, we're doing the movies, whatever. Then I'm a bit like, okay, cool. I'll see you guys tomorrow. It is that narrative of like, this is the day you express your love for your partner. So it's all the posts on Instagram with the love hearts and the like really soppy caption that you're just like, okay, cool. The older you get, the more that's magnified, I imagine. Yeah, I think so. It's probably a bit like my friends are more in, if they are in relationships, they're more established. So it's a bit less of that gushy, 
I love this person. <laughs> Six month like, anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> like I love this person so much. Can't live without you, babe. All that kind of thing. <laughs> so it's a bit more low key in that sense, which I think's probably better than when it's like 18, 19, when everyone's like, I really want a boyfriend for Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. And then you don't have one and you're kind of like, okay, cool. What's wrong with me? But as you get older, it's kind of a little bit less in that way, I would say. I'm so interested in our fixation with Valentine's Day, particularly, you know, our fixation on like talking to single people about Valentine's Day, like the movements of Valentine's Day and things like that. Because in reality, if it is an insecurity or if it is fucking annoying that people are being gushy about their relationships online, isn't that a year round thing? You think it should be. And then just to have it magnified on that one day, but it's not even probably the love part that's the worst. It is the single projecting all onto the single people and being like it's fine you don't need to find love you can be single you can just have your girls and it's gonna be fine you don't need a man and that's probably the parts that's more annoying I would say than the couples probably like Emma Watson saying she's self-partnered instead of single like pointing to the word single as if that's an issue that needs to be rectified or redefined kind of amplifies the fact that it's considered an issue at all well I found it patronizing in the past for sure yeah, it 100% is, especially when they're like, you have all on social media, like the themed nights for Valentine's Day. They're like, come with your girls and like, your do life's fine. Stories. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's just like, well, I was fine watching movies at home. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't need to go out tonight. Tell us about high school. Let's take it back right to when you were a teenager. What were your very, very early experiences of puberty, how your body changed, and how you related to boys? So in high school, I was pretty shy, but I did have a good group of solid friends, but they're all mainly girls. Could talk to boys, but always like struggled to kind of be friends with them. There was just a bit of nervousness there. And when I hit puberty, I was always one of the taller, bigger girls in school. So that probably had an effect where if I liked a guy, I just didn't have the confidence to go up to them, to talk to them, to do anything. So it always kind of only be in a friend way I guess as it moved through high school it probably just got a bit worse and I think the group of friends I had in high school like most of us were single they didn't really have boyfriends so it wasn't an issue like it wasn't something I actively thought about too much it was only kind of once we finished high school and friends started seeing guys and dating that it became more of a thing I was like oh not really doing that Only as Charlotte grew older, she began to realise that while her high school and uni friends were dating and getting into relationships, she wasn't. By 23, the anxiety started to creep in and years later, she's not feeling that much better. The dates I have been on, I've gone and it's kind of just been like, didn't really connect. I was like, okay, I can get through the date, that's fine. But it's more like anxiety inducing just talking to them online. I really overanalyse and overthink every single thing I write and draft it and delete it and reword it over and over again because I'm constantly thinking about how it's coming across so that's probably the worst part is when I'm in person I can't think about it as much I just have to talk to them. How often in the last couple of years have you met a man where you've truly clicked with him or truly had a crush on him is that something that's getting less frequent as time goes on? Probably um, I would say in the last couple of years one or two maybe and I'm someone who has like crushes so they'll kind of stay for a while even if I don't see the person and it's kind of moved on but yeah it doesn't happen that often I guess because I'm not really I don't go on the apps a lot so I'm not really connecting or meeting new guys that often. Are you looking for a partner? 
do I want a relationship? Yes. But am I actively looking? No, I would say. In the sense that I'm not really doing anything to put myself out there to find someone. Like I'm not going on any apps. I'm not like if I'm going out, guys aren't really coming up to you and talking to you when you're out at like a bar or something. So it's kind of hard to meet people just in real life if you're not online at the same time. Is it a lack of confidence then? I think that's probably the main issue. It's definitely something that's held me back in the past when I've been talking to guys and they've been like, oh, we should meet up or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, kind of brush it off. Or they're just like, you should come like 11 o'clock at night, you should come over. It's like, well, no, I don't want to do that. Mm. So it's, yeah, a bit of a lack of confidence. Also probably just not finding a guy who I feel like I can click with. Yeah. And maybe trust as well. There's there's that element of trust. Yeah. I'm interested in what you think our biggest mistake is when it comes to how we talk about the single experience, because I think we touched on very earlier when we said some things can be quite patronizing, but what else are the biggest mistakes we make generally in conversations around being single? I think probably that single people have no idea about relationships at all. If my friends in relationships are talking about an issue they have, Sometimes you feel like you can't weigh in or you say something and they'll just kind of look at you and be like, oh, yeah, and move on, like not take it in because they're just like, you don't understand. You don't get what it's like to have a partner. And if there's an issue, you don't understand why I'm forgiving him for this thing or something um, when you're like, well, don't put up with that. That's bullshit. What are you doing? And then also just that you're desperate for a partner. And is getting to that point now where like family and family friends are always just like, oh, so are you seeing someone? No, not at the moment. So that's probably like the two main things. The most annoying part, I think, being the single friend in a group is when you're out and all your friends are constantly like on the lookout for you. So certain times when you're like, yes, I want a wing woman. Yes, I want to try and find a guy. And that's great. But other times if they're just constantly looking and pointing at a guy and being like, what about him? What about him? You always feel stressful. That is so, so stressful. You get very self-conscious and you feel like you have, like you're very picky if you're like, no, I don't. Because you're just basing it off the look. You get very nervous, very inside myself if my friends are like, what about him? And like some friends will do it really close to the guy and I'll be like, no, no, <laughs> going to walk away And now. make sure he heard that. <laughs> I think we have literally all been in that situation and be like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you making this so awkward? Or yeah. Also, how do you have such little idea about my taste? Yes. Why are your standards yes. for me so yes. low? <laughs> yes, I'm like, is that what you think I should be with? <laughs> is that <laughs> my level? <laughs> like, okay, maybe I need to reassess my standards, but it's no for now. I'm like, if I see a guy out and I need some help, I will ask you, but. Please don't just keep pointing every tall guy out to me. We're going to dive deeper now into the concept of virginity, but you just touched on friendship, so I am interested. Lots of female friendships, I know in my own life, have a really heavy focus on dating and sex and relationships. And I do wonder, has it made you feel lonely or like you missed the boat or like you're just not on the same page with your friends anymore? I imagine many girlfriends bond over these topics and it could feel isolating to feel like you're not on the same page. I think for me, I think my group of friends was slightly odd in that there was a couple of other girls who lost their virginity kind of later than typical, I guess. So probably wasn't until the last couple of years that I was a bit like, oh, okay. 
And it can be lonely, especially when you're meeting new people, because you're kind of like, oh, do I want to tell them? Do I not want to tell them? When the topic inevitably comes up and you're just talking about experiences and stuff like that. And you can feel a bit weird and you're wondering what people are thinking when you say that and being like, what's wrong with you? Why have you not slept with someone yet? How would you explain that to someone? Like someone listening right now and you're saying, I'm 25, I've never had sex. Why hasn't it happened for you? What would you say? It's literally just that the situation's never occurred. That's just, and I can probably think back on certain moments where I'm like, if I hadn't been so nervous or something, I'd done something else probably would have happened, but I just would freak out. And it hadn't even gotten to the stage where it was like in a room or anywhere close to sleeping with the guy. But I was like, if I had kept going, it probably would have ended up that way. But I just made a different decision at that moment. And yeah, it just literally hasn't happened. It's not any other reason, which I think you don't hear a lot about. Sometimes when you're like, okay, I'm 25, I'm a virgin, you're like, sure, there's other people. So you kind of look on for articles of, that have been written about it. And it's always people are like, I was Christian for a really long time, so I was saving myself. And then I decided that I wasn't saving myself anymore. So I was a bit older when I had sex for the first time. Or someone has anxiety or depression or something that has hindered them in that aspect of their life. It's never just, it just hasn't happened. Do you think, though, just by having this conversation that you'll realise there's a whole ton of women out there that haven't, but because we never allow them to have that conversation or to say it aloud they don't feel like they can? Probably. I think it's just, yeah, I know I've definitely lied about it in the past. So if I have, other people have, because there's just certain situations where you're just like, well, what's the point in me bringing it up? I don't want to have the next conversation after telling you this. So I'm just going to lie and be like, yep, it happened. Or just avoid the question. It can be isolating because you just don't hear about it so you're like god I'm the only one I'm gonna be 30 40 or whatever you just play these scenarios in your head do you actually do that do you sit and think when is this going to end or when's it going to happen just occasionally I can get into like mood sometimes and then you just like spiraling your head thinking about it and you're like well what would happen if I did meet a guy and then would I have to tell him and if I told him would that mean he wouldn't like me anymore and so that would just stop that So then I still wouldn't have slept with anyone. You just think, surely I couldn't get to 30 and still not have slept with someone. But I didn't think I would get to 25. So those are kind of the thoughts that you get into. When you read those blog posts you were talking about before where so many people discuss their upbringing and conservatism or religion, do you ever think back to your own upbringing and connect it to anything about sex in your own household? Was it something that was readily spoken about was it a sex positive environment or was it just not a conversation that was had it wasn't an open conversation but it wasn't like a taboo thing either it just wasn't really a conversation I went to catholic school for 12 years but I'm not religious in any way so (laughs) yeah so I'm like so that really hasn't had any effect on me at all so yeah I look back at my childhood and I'm kind of like I can't really see any the dots don't connect. Yeah. yeah, it's always just kind of comes back to just me and how I am. 
Talk to us about the mental or emotional load with regards to this and whether there even is one, because I know when I was diagnosed with a condition that meant sex was very painful and I couldn't really have it, the mental load was probably far more taxing and isolating than I ever gave myself credit for. And I'm wondering whether you carry that or you're actually able to deal with it in a much better way than perhaps I was able to deal with what I was going through. It only really comes up in certain situations, probably when I'm with different groups of my friends And that's the only time when I'm like, okay. Yeah, I think it will become more of an issue if I do start seeing a guy and I always think in my head, I'm like, would I tell them? Would I not tell them? Or do I just try and find a guy and have a one night stand and be like, cool, it's done. I was going to ask that. Do you have an ideal way you want to lose your virginity? Because I've had friends who have lost it pretty deep into their 20s and they were kind of holding out for an ideal of what they wanted for the first time. Is that the case with you? Or do you think it would literally just be like, well, it might just be a random occurrence one night where it just happens? I think it could very easily just be a random occurrence. Like I don't have a set idea in my mind of how I want it to be. Part of me is kind of like, well, you've held onto it for this long. Not even that I think it's something to give away. So maybe you should just wait until you're in a relationship. But then other parts of me is just like, or just get it over with. Well, that's the thing. Like we're talking about virginity, but I think it's important that we all touch on the fact that we don't think it's something that women need to hold on to or give away once. Like you have sex plenty of times over the course of your life. It's not like you're one and done and that's it. And you're somehow changed forever. It's so weird the amount of pressure we put on virginity, but we do put that pressure on and it means that a whole lot of women go silent for a really long time. And you coming out, I feel like is really quite brave and it's really great to tell your story because even though it's not all that remarkable and it's pretty common, so many women can't talk about it because they don't feel like they're empowered to talk about it. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like lots of people who probably haven't had sex do have this ideal of it it is some big thing and to me it's almost not so part of me's always kind of thought I probably wouldn't tell the guy it probably if it's just a random thing I wouldn't because I'm like I don't it's not for you to know like it's not really your business if I want you to know like I'll tell you but if I don't want you to know I'm also going to be fine with not telling you yeah so I think it's Yeah. And it it does hop back to that idea of like virginity is a social construct. Like we kind of just made it up out of nowhere. It's just something that you've never done. And I think reframing that is very helpful for a lot of people. How many people in your circle know? Is it something that you're quite open with, with the people around you? Most of my close friends, especially from high school and some of my uni friends are fully aware because they've known me all through high school. And they're like, you've never had a boyfriend. We know you don't really go out that much. So they're all fully aware and it's never a thing that we talk about. And then it's more kind of newer friends that if I feel comfortable, I'm fine telling them and saying it. But if it depends on the situation and if I'm just kind of like, I don't really want to have all the conversations that come with it. Or if I feel like it's going to be a novelty, then I'm like, we're just going to leave it. I'm not going to tell you. I am interested this might not even be super relevant, but what is your ideal relationship? What are the building blocks that make that? And what's your ideal partner? I always look at my friends' relationships and there's not many of them that I have looked at and been like, yes, that's what I want. Quite often I look at them and I'm like, I don't understand why you put up with this, this and this. Or then I look at my parents and they've been married 30 years. 
I'd want something similar to that, this strong foundation. But I think in a partner, I just want someone who accepts all of me and it's like just nice and funny and is really into sport. It's kind of like <laughs> my main criteria and it's preferably really? taller than me would be great. I'm quite a hopeless romantic, I would probably say, but not in a like gushy way. When I see people post on Instagram and put these really lovey gushy captions, I get very uncomfortable with that much emotion being shown. But I do like love, love. I do think about what it would be. I'm not cynical about it or scared about it. I don't think possibly when it comes, I'll be like, what is this? And to the woman who might be listening, who is maybe the same age as you or just of an age where she hasn't had sex and is feeling isolated by that fact, what would you tell her? I'd probably say it's okay. You're not weird. Like I'm here as well. So it's fine. And I think you probably have to remind yourself that you are still a worthy person. It doesn't make that much of a difference to who you are as a person. It doesn't make any difference to who you are as a person. So I think that's probably something to remember. Especially on Valentine's Day. Especially on Valentine's (laughs) Day. Love Etc. is a production from Shameless Media. Sign up to Bumble Australia, the social networking app where women make the first move towards friendship, professional and romantic relationships.